John. Actually, you probably won't have to turn there. It's impossible to talk about the greatest story ever told without sharing the greatest sentence that was ever written. And I will not ask you to guess what sentence that is. I will just share with you what we all know and we hold to be true. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but should have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. And this is the condemnation that men preferred darkness to light because their deeds were evil. God sent his son. God wrapped his son. Uh, night before last, I had the privilege of taking Christine to the mall. And we got her mom a gift. And we got her sister a gift. And we got Uncle Fraser a gift. And then we got me a gift. And what was so cool is that Christine wanted to, although I already saw my gift, she wanted to wrap it up, so I wrapped it up. And last night, her and Lana said, Dad, we'd like, you to, we'd like for you to wear your gift tomorrow to church. And I said, okay. And they said, can we unwrap it? I don't know what it is about kids. They just love to unwrap it. Christmas Day at our house, Christine is buried in presents. I mean buried. All, all the little piddly things she asked for. And Courtney's at the other end. Christine will unwrap all of her stuff, and then she'll go at and ask Sissy, can I help you unwrap? Sissy goes, no, I want to wrap my stuff. She goes to Mom, can I help? No, I want. And Dad, let, I let her unwrap. I mean, there's just something about a child that just loves to tear into packages, and, and they, they don't know what it is. Oh, awesome. They said, give me something else to open. You know, give me something else to do. But last night, they, they opened my gift, and I, and I wore my shirt that I picked out and bought with my own money. I mean, how cool. <laughs> I mean, isn't that what Christmas is all about? But when I think about them unwrapping that gift last night many of you will un unwrap gifts this next week you won't know what's in that you you won't know what's under that paper the paper's pretty the bows are all pretty but it's it's the thing that's that's wrapped in that package is, is so exciting god wrapped his son in flesh god took immortality there's there's no way if i could somehow hold a meteor a, a meteor shower of, of a chunk of rock that was on fire. If I could, if I could take a candle and figure a way how to put, how to, how to enclose that candle in flesh. That's what God did. God took the word and God wrapped it in flesh and God gave it to us. And that's what Christmas, which means Christ more. That's what Christmas is all about. It's the fact that God gave His Son. And if you'll look not necessarily at the commercial Christmas, but you'll look at the historical Christmas. The songs that our malls are, are filled with, people are singing, people are traveling and going from door to door singing, away in a manger, silent night, oh come let us adore him, joy to the world, hark, you, uh, 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 hark, hark the herald angels sing, and then God rest you merry gentlemen. When you look at the lyrics of those songs, every one of those songs is a salvation appeal. It talks about what God did, the gift that God gave. God gave a seed. The 26th of December, we're going to share a word about seed. But God gave a seed. God took his only son. He only, had only had one seed, and he planted it so he could reap a family. God created every one of us with a little of his DNA in there. And when we confess our sins and we acknowledge that Jesus is the Savior of the world and ask him to be the Lord of our life, we become adopted into the family of God. 
So God, who only had one son, sowed his son, and now has reaped a universal church. And for the past 2,000 years, people have come to Christ. They've they've accepted Christ as their Savior. God reaped his son, and God got us. Look at somebody who say, not too bad. He got all that in a bag of chips. He knew everything about you before he created you. He still created you. He still allowed you to be. He still allowed your mom to carry you full term. You're in this life because ordained and orchestrated for you to be here. How exciting is that? So as we approach the Christmas season, we love the, we love the font, Nanny. We love the trees. We love the decoration. We love the song. We love the fake snow. We love everything about it. Even, even Santa Claus. How can you get mad at Santa Claus around Christmas time? I mean, here we have a, 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 a guy, a role model that's coming down chimneys. And, and most of you, you, you're aware now. I don't want to hurt you too bad, but you are aware there is not a Santa Claus. I mean, you're aware there's not. No, I, I, I'm sorry, Annalise. I'm sorry, Carly. I'm sorry, Didi. There is not a Santa Claus. It's your mom and dad that gets up and eats those cookies and drinks that milk and make sure that you got your list and checking it twice. And some of you have obviously been more naughty than nice, but, but mom and dads don't care. They want to bless you. That, that spirit of benevolence comes from the cross because God gave his son at Calvary. We have the benevolence of, of humanity that we want to help. We, we want to bless. We want to sow. So when you look at the Christmas season, today for just a few minutes, I promise you, I will not be, be, be long-winded. But today I, wanna, I just want to bring to your attention a thought or an idea or a suggestion. And that thought or idea would be this. What if Josh, Hayden, and Seth, or Seth, Seth, what if, what if Jesus never came? What if the wise men didn't show up? What if the shepherds didn't see the angels? What if Mary said no? What if for some weird freak of nature, Jesus Christ was not born, was not clothed in the flesh, did not die on a cross, did not shed his blood. Where would we be? And reflecting three days, last night, serious, some serious time, just reflecting and, and wrote some things down. I wrote down ten things that would not be had Christ not come. The first thing that if Christ had not come that we would not have is a church. A place where people come and worship. A place where people come and celebrate. A place where people come and meet their future wife. A place where people come and learn how to raise their kids. A place where people come and they're, they're delivered, they're saved, they're set free, they're, they're educated, they're equipped, they're discipled. Some special children of mine will be here tonight, Dave and, and Renee Williams. And we're talking about the miracle in their life, what God has done. And Renee, who is a scholar extraordinaire, speaks six different languages. She said, well, Pastor, you taught us never to make a vow, then to make a vow and break it. And a very dark time in their life, when they considered breaking a vow, they remembered the teaching they had heard and, and how they had lived their life and served their God. This is the place where all of that happens. There was a season in the life of Jesus when he was very popular, and there was a season when the multitude was everywhere he went, thousands of people would show up. And one day they were taking a break and they're sitting around probably eating fish and fish and bread. That's about all there was to eat in Israel in those days, fish and bread. And while they're eating fish and bread, Jesus looks at the disciples and says, Hey guys, what are people saying about me? What's my reputation? What's the word on the street? 
One of the disciples said, some of, some of them think that you're Elijah, that you've come back in a fiery chariot. That some, think that, some think that you're one of the prophets. Some think that you're Moses. Some think that you're, you're this and that. And so he let them all comment on what was the word on the street. They'd been with him about two and a half years. And he looked at them and said, what do you guys think about me? And Peter looked at Jesus and said, "Thou actually his name was Simon, that which means hearer of the word, Simon. Thou art the Christ, the son of a living God. And what did Jesus say to Simon? Changed his name to Peter and said this, upon this rock, or upon this revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So if the Lord had not come, if Peter had not made that statement, if the Lord had not declared, upon this rock I will build my church, there would be no church. Think about that just for a minute and, and, and in a reflective tone this morning. Let me ask you a question. I don't want you to answer. I just want you to think about it. What kind of church would Church of the Harvest be if every attender was just like me? What kind of church would Church of the Harvest be if every tither and giver were just like me? What kind of church would Church of the Harvest be if every praise and worship service was just like me? What kind of church would Church of the Harvest be? I mean, I mean, I mean, it goes on and on. Would the benevolence be here? Would the mercy be here? Would the grace be here? If, if this church depended upon just you, what kind of church would it be? Would it be the most, the healthiest church in the city? Would it be giving away food to families every Wednesday night? Would it be giving away clothes? Would it be paying electric bill, helping widows with gas tanks and food? What, where, where would this church be if it depended upon just you? What a question. Jesus said, upon the revelation that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, I will build my church. And we live on that. We stand upon that. We depend upon that. There is a heaven to gain. There is a hell to shun. There is a difference between right and wrong. There are doors that God opens. There are elevator shafts that men want to open for you. And God gives us the church to nurture us, to equip us, to balance us. The Bible said there's safety in the multitude of counsel. But, but what would life be? Let me ask you a question. If, if, if all of a sudden every church upon the face of the earth was removed, how would it affect you? What would you do on Sunday morning? What would you do on Wednesday night? Those who come on Wednesday night, you probably keep doing what you're doing now. But those of you that are, that are tied into the Sunday School of Harvest, what, 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 how would you feel if, if all of a sudden there was no place where you could corporately go and feel the anointing? where you could corporately go and praise and worship, you could cor corporately go and, and meet your future husband, your future wife, or learn about the things of God. Where would you be in life without a church? The second thing that I reflected upon this morning is if Christ had not come to this, 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 this world and had blessed us with his presence, there would be no heaven. In John 14 and 1, he said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. But if Josh, if he never came the first time, he couldn't come the second time. If Jesus Christ had not come and made the statement that he made that there is a heaven, Jesus talked about hell more than any other author of the Bible. He said there is a reality. There is a place of eternal darkness, eternal pain, eternal frustration. But God did not create hell for you. He created hell for Satan and one-third of the, the followers that fell with him. That's who hell was created for. Heaven was created for you. And the Bible said that Jesus right now is in heaven preparing a place for you. 
He's been gone. I'll let you do the math. He's been gone 2,000 years. Multiply that times 365. He's been gone that many days preparing heaven for you. And if he did such a good job the first six days, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was being with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So that means that in the beginning, Jesus created heaven, and he has been there thousands of days working on it, getting it ready for you and I to dwell there forever. How would you feel this morning if you realized there was no beautiful land? How, how would your future be if you, if you realize, when I die, I'm just going to lay there in, in that, that cas casket, and I'm going to rot? There's no eternity. There's no life after death. There's, there, there's, 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 no, there's no presence of God. There's no presence of angels. I will not reconnect with my loved ones. I will not reconnect with the babies I've lost or in heaven right now. How would you feel right now if you realize there is no heaven to gain? When we die, we die. We're dead. Because there are a lot of people that believe that. They don't believe there's a heaven. They, they believe that when you die, you die. You float around somewhere in nirvana. Nirvana's a rock band. There's no place called Nirvana. It's just a rock band, and they're all gone. They're all dispelled. How would you, how would you live your day if you, if you knew, if I get killed in a car wreck tomorrow, that's it. All, all my sowing, all my investing, all my life, everything I've gained, everything I've learned, everything I've done, there would be no heaven for me to appreciate and enjoy forever. If Christ had not have come, you know what we would not have? We would not have this. Because the Bible says, he is the word. He said, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. How would you live your life today if you didn't have a Bible? Think about the Bible just for a minute. Think about the story of creation. Think about Adam. Think about how, how the first family. Think about Abel, his blood crying out from the ground. Think about Enoch walking with God. Think about David, the Psalm, all the, all the truths, the, the writing of Isaiah, the promises of Jeremiah, Micah talking about Jesus being born in Bethlehem. How would you live your life without the Word of God? No, no Psalms 23, no Lord is my shepherd, no, no Bible to, to, to focus on, to walk, to learn. Is that, would, would that affect anybody in this house if all of a sudden I said, we're going to take your Bible away and you're never going to have your Bible again? How would that affect you? One of the things that I looked and, and reflected upon, if Christ had not come, there would have been no healing. Isaiah looks forward 800 years and says, by his stripes, we're healed. Peter looks back three months and says, by his stripes, we were healed. We are told by doctors today that there are 39 major diseases in the world, that all of the diseases come from one of 39. How ironic that Jesus was tied to a whipping post, and how ironic, 400 years before he was tied to a whipping post, Isaiah prophesied that by his stripes, we are healed. Psalm 103 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Watch this. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Had there not been the power of, of healing in the church today, Courtney would have died with open heart destruction. Had there not been a healing in, in the church today, Pastor Hank would still be walking with colon problems. Had there not been a healing, my mom would have died three months ago on the operating table. When you think about how many times has God touched you, strengthen you physically, attack cancer in your body, attack things in your body that were trying to kill you, trying to, and you are alive today. I mean, I mean, can you reflect upon that? What if there was no healing power that the blood of Jesus Christ had never been shed and we couldn't depend upon that? Does that affect anybody in this house? 
I think about being an ex-drug addict and being divorced and being one that destroyed my marriage because of drugs. I think about the peace that came when I realized that I was forgiven from my mistakes. Pidge, when, when I learned that everything that I did was under the blood and that there's a fountain and it washes away all my mistakes and failures, how would you feel today if you never were forgiven? You live constantly under the burden of guilt, under the, under the burden of shame, the things that you did earlier, the things that you were involved in. Isaiah 1 and 18 says, Come now, let us read together, saith the Lord of hosts, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red as crimson, they shall be as wool. Aren't you glad today that God has taken the red blood of his son, washed the black heart of a sinner, and has made us new that we don't have to pay for the sins of yesterday, the failures, the mistakes? But if Christ had not come, we would not feel that euphoria of peace. We would not feel that, that, that ambiance of, of faithfulness because, because there is no forgiving power. There's no healing power. How would you live your life? When I think about if Christ had not have come, I think that prophetically, the things that angels declared, David, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. How would you like to live every day of your life not sure if someone's going to kick down your door and murder your children? How would you live every day of your life if you thought when you sent your kids to school someone's going to kidnap them and hurt them and wound them? How would you feel every day of your life if every time you got paid you knew that someone was going to take a weapon and take your money from you? How would you live your life without peace? I remember, I don't remember, it was, um, it was Sandra Bullock and she was... Uh, trying out for, was it Miss America, or, or whatever it was, real cute little movie, and, and of course Sandra Bullock was an FBI agent, real, real tough around the edges, so they began to hone her and, and prepare her to be the, the beauty queen, I think she actually was runner-up, and then they asked her what, they asked her what she wanted to see happen, of course she made fun of all the pageants and all the statements, because every pageant winner always said, I want peace on earth, and at the very end of the movie Sandra Bullock said, I want peace on earth, so I guess every pageant winner wants peace on earth. But when you look at the wars that have been fought the, the last several years, those wars that have been established because of righteousness, a standard, a code of ethics. We have a code of honor in this country. We have rules. We have laws that we abide by. And every one of us have the right to pursue liberty and the freedom and everything that God has for us. We have the right to pursue that because there is peace in this, in this place. How would you live your life if there was no peace? How would you live your life if every storm came your way, it remained a storm, every frustration remained a frustration, that you never got any kind of release or breakthrough? When I think about a child, I remember, I remember watching uh, Lassie get hit by the, by the car, and I was sitting there crying, and I was, I was raised in Sunday school, so I put my hands on the TV like Ernest Angeles taught me how to do, and I, and I said, Lord, please let... Please let Lassie live. And Lassie, God honored my prayer. Hollywood, Lassie rose up. She was not dead. She, she was alive forevermore. And I, I appreciate that. But I got to thinking about what makes us, are you ready for this? And, and, and I think twice yesterday, I opened the door for somebody. And then I said, well, that's my good deed today. I can be mean the rest of the day. What is it that makes us want to open the door for someone? What is it makes us want to help somebody across the street? What is, what is it when we see somebody drop something, we want to pick it up? What makes us want to bring groceries every Wednesday and Sunday? What makes us want to go through our clothes closet and give good clothes to people? What, what, is, it, what is it there about us when we have the ability, when you see the little girl in, in front of you, and it's obvious you didn't have enough money to pay for groceries, and you're able to let the cashier know, hey, let, let this cover it. And that, that feeling that comes upon you, can, can anybody relate? 
What, 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 how, would, how would you enjoy life if there was no goodwill toward men? There was, there's no benevolence whatsoever. There was nothing in your heart that wanted to give, wanted to share, wanted to care, wanted to be an instrument of love and mercy. How would you feel? Abs- absolutely no desire to help anybody in life. I think about the fact that when he said, peace on earth, goodwill towards men, I think about that song that says, joy to the Lord, joy to the world, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king. What if there was no joy? What if Conan O'Brien did not make you laugh? What if you, didn't, you weren't impressed by the Three Stooges? What if Laurel and Hardy, Abbott and Costello, and, and Steve Martin, and John Travolta, probably one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life. I thought we were going to have to carry Pastor on. She was belly laughing so hard when they got their medicine mixed up. Do you remember that part in the movie where they got their, I mean, and he had the big joker smile. And they were, I mean, I, or they're playing Frisbee and they hit the guy right in the head. But anyway, I mean, I mean, it was, it was I mean, we, we laughed so hard. I hurt myself. I, I left the building with pain. And, and, but, but how would you feel, Seb, if there was absolutely no joy, bitter, frustrated, angry, d- d- dissatisfied with everything? Nothing brought you joy. Nothing. How, how would you live your life without joy? And I think I'm coming to a conclusion. The ninth and the tenth one are probably the two most important. But the ninth one, if Christ had not come to Bethlehem, there would not have been a cross at Calvary. And there'd been no way for mankind to have been redeemed. There'd been no way for mankind to have been restored. We're walking some real close friends right now through some stuff that society demands a pound of flesh. When you find yourself in a speeding, a speeding ticket, they want a pound of your flesh. When you find yourself, you haven't paid your taxes on time, they want a pound of your flesh. Society, society demands payment. They don't care if they fail. But if you fail them, they want you to pay. And you know what? Paid for all of the hurts, the sickness, the pain, all the offenses, all the wounds, everything of life. It was the cross. Paul said, I glory in the cross. The songwriter said, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight. And now I'm happy all the day. There's something about clinging to the old rugged cross. There's something about holding on to that cross because it represents who we are and what God has done for us. How could the blood of Jesus pay for the sins of the world? It was the sins of our, it was the blood of our creator that paid for the sins of mankind. Not just your sins, not just Adolf Hitler's sins, Mussolini's sins, but the sins of the future until he returns. Every murderer, every rapist, every molester who had ever offended anybody, Jesus drank that bitter cup for every single and everything that he stood for was nailed to the cross that day. And every time he shed his blood, it did something for you. It helped your brain, it helped your hands, your feet, your heart, everything about, everything about life, he redeemed you from yourself. How, how would we feel today if there was absolutely no redemptive power and we knew we'd failed and knew we had lost and knew we could never make it right? And the last thing that I want to bring to our, our attention is if Christ had not have come, there'd been no access to the Father. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father except but by me. 
It was by his blood to pay for the sins of mankind that you and I have been given a ticket that one day we will see him at the right hand of the Father. He will introduce us to our God. We will lay our crowns at his feet and we will worship him day and night for all of eternity. And we will actually be in the presence of the creator, the God Almighty, the, the creator of the ends of the earth. We will know him personally. His name is written upon our hands. Our, our name is written upon his hand. Every time he holds up his hand, he shows us off. What kind of God, what kind of God would you feel if you were forever separated from God, you can never touch that. The Bible said, who shall dwell in that holy hill? Who shall come in your presence? And the word says, he that has clean hands and a pure heart. We can only have clean hands and a pure heart through a relationship with Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus. He gives us access to the Father. But to know that we can never see God, we could never spend time with God, we would never know what God was all about, that we would lose that forever. I, I, I wrote some things down here just, and actually I, I wrote some things down that says that I have some bad news. The bad, bad news is if Christ had not come, there would be no psalms. We would not sing, Lord, I lift your name on high. There'd be no hymns. We wouldn't sing how great thou art. There'd be no spiritual songs. We couldn't sing. There'd be no Spurgeon, no Smith Wigglesworth, no Mother Teresa, nor Corey Tim Boone, no Daystar, no TBN, no, no library full of books, no CDs, no Holy Ghost, no, no Toby Mac, no December radio, no third day. I mean, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, can you imagine if Christ had not have come, we wouldn't have had the music of the Rambos or the, or the, or the Happy Goodmans or whatever music you listen to. That would all be a thing of absolutely null and void. Nothing, nothing to bless our life, to touch our life. However, joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. He did come. He did clothe himself in flesh. He did leave the, the wholeness of heaven, took on the form of man, became a friend, became a servant, became a lamb, became sin, so that we could go from sin to being a lamb, to be a servant, to be a son, to be the light, to be the world, to go where God is at. He came to seek and to save those that were lost. Does that excite anybody in this house? I just, I just... So we have the story of Enoch walking with God. Abel's blood did cry out from the ground. Abraham did find that city that had foundations. Jacob did birth Israel. Joseph did redeem the world with a sacrifice. Samson did kill. Gideon did destroy. There was a Noah. There was an ark. There was a sacrifice. There was a Moses. There was a Joshua. There was a Caleb. There was a Nehemiah. There was a David. There was a Saul that was converted to be a Paul. There was a Timothy. There is a revelation. There is a return. There is a rapture. He is coming back for those that are watching and waiting for him. He did restore Hank and Rhonda's life and marriage. He did heal Courtney's body. He did pull you out of the, the slum of sin and put a new song in your mouth. He did deliver Tommy from drugs. He does heal and restore. He's a God that cares about his children, and I am glad that he came for you and me. Yeah. Oh, give him a... I'm sorry to reflect my age. Her daughter has been to our church two times. Reba Rambo has been here, ministered. Dottie Rambo has written 15, 1,600 songs, some incredible songs. She, she went to be with the Lord a few years ago. But there was a song that she wrote that I want to share the words with you, if I may. Just suppose God searched through all of heaven and couldn't find one willing to be the supreme sacrifice that was needed to provide eternal life for you and me. Had it not been for a place called Mount Calvary, had it not been for the old rugged cross, had it not been for a man called Jesus, then forever 
my soul would be lost. But I'm so glad he was willing to drink the bitter cup, although he prayed, Father, let this cup pass from me. I'm so glad he didn't send heaven's angels, but with his blood, he purchased me. Had it not been for a place called Mount Calvary, aren't you glad for the cross? Had it not been for the old rugged cross, had it not been for a man called Jesus, then forever my soul would be lost. As every head is bowed, as every eye is closed. Maybe today you've been so busy in life, you've not realized the significance of God in your life. Maybe like me, you've taken a lot of stuff for granted. Certainly the peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Certainly the ability to call upon a God that can save me and heal me. Certainly a church that I know is going to be open. I know the music's going to be good. I know I'm going to be taught. Certainly a place where I don't have money for a, for a tank of gas, I can call and get help. Or I've got a few, I'm short on groceries, a church that will, that will do whatever it takes to make sure I have groceries. Maybe a lot of those things we take for granted. Maybe the songs of the holidays. Maybe the, the, the gift of Christmas. Christ more. Maybe we take for granted the fact that Christopher Columbus, looking for a place that we could worship Christ, found this land and declared to be the Lord Jesus and the Queen of Spain. Certainly it was that, that gift that caused John Newton to sell his slave ships and write the words, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Maybe we have taken for granted the blood that's been shed through the years of time, the lives that have been lost, those that have laid down their life for the Lord. Polycarp, a disciple of the Apostle Paul, was tied to a stake and was told, if you don't denounce Christ, we're going to set you on fire. He said, for 67 years, he's never failed me. I'll not deny him now. They tried to set his, his, the, the, the wood on fire. The wood would not catch his clothing or his, or his body on fire. They got mad and they threw a spear into his side. And the blood that flowed from his wound completely quenched the fire they tried to burn his body with. Maybe, maybe you've not realized the martyrs that, that lost their life to bring us the Bible, the martyrs that lost their life to stand for God, those that were wandered about in, in dens and caves of the earth, they were beheaded, they were, they were murdered for their testimony, but they loved not their life unto death, but they gave it for God. Maybe we forgot those martyrs that have paid the price that we can come and worship him and worship him freely. Maybe we're not aware of what's going on in Somalia, the ethnic cleansing, that if you're not a part of that church, you're, 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 you're murdered and your body is cut into pieces. Maybe we don't realize what's going on in North Korea, North Vietnam, countries that claim to be godless and atheists, that, that there, there is no hope, there is no, there is no church, and only Christian television can affect places like that. Perhaps we've taken all that for granted, what God has given us. But if you're here today and you're away from God and you're not where you feel like you need to be, I promise you, I will not embarrass you, call you up, bring attention to you, but this is an opportunity for you to ask Christ to come into your heart. Ask him to provide all the things that he has promised. Ask him to do what he said he will do. I promise if you'll do what God has asked you to do, acknowledge your sins, give your life to God, ask him to be the Lord of your life, it doesn't mean that automatically your problems go away. It doesn't mean that everything is solved and everything's prosperity. There are seasons of working and walking and sorting and, 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 and sowing. Those, those seasons will come in your life. But coming to, coming to God is not a get-out-of-jail-free. It's not, it's not something that completely expunges your, your history. The wages of sin, there are things that we have done that we have to work out 
and sort out. But you don't need to leave this place today without a Savior, without a healer, without a God connection. Say, Pastor Hank, I'm not where I need to be spiritually. I want to commit my heart to God. I want to pursue this, this journey, this light that's come on today. I want to pursue this. Don't embarrass me. Don't call me out this week. I want you to pray for me. If that's where you're at this morning, just put your hand up. Put it right back down. Is there one that says, I'm, I'm not where I need to be the Lord, but I, I need what you're talking about today.